talking about uh, the title of my message is the gift. Okay, it was the call, and I prepped it all. And at one stage, God just showed me, no, no, it's the gift. And then as we were praying, Danal just kept. They were praying for for me specifically and and preaching today. And Danal just kept saying the gift, the gift, the gift that God's going to bring. So I was encouraged in that. But it's about your calling. It's about the mandate. It's about uh, what we're living for. It's about life. It's about the gospel. It's about love. Okay. But I want to start with a little uh, little slideshow. Uh, can you pop up? Welcome to planet Earth. So this is, this is where we live. Okay? This is, uh, this is our home. For now. This is where we live. Next slide. This is what we breathe. Okay? Praise the Lord, there's a lot of it around. We need it. Next slide. This is what we drink. Once again, praise the Lord, there's a lot of it around. You guys still with me? Is there, are there any humans in the building? Okay. Next one. This is what we eat, all right? And also a little bit of the next one. What is that as well? This is also the currency for marriage in some uh, in some circles. Next one. So there it is. This is life. We born. We live for a certain time, and then we die. Is that sad? Is anybody depressed yet? No. Okay. Next one. So no, no one knows how short or how long you're going to live. Okay? But the funny thing is there is a maximum. There's God actually put a maximum lifespan. It's in the Bible. It's in uh, Genesis 6 verse 3. When I read that at one stage, I was just reading my Bible. I thought, wow, that's, that's strange. I wonder, you know, and then I went on a kind of research uh, little side kind of journey. And true as Bob, the, if you go and look at the maximum age that people have lived, they are literally, they don't pass 120. There's one lady that's 122. But if you actually go and read into her background, it's, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory there. The rest is 119, 119, 119, 117, 119. One, it's, it's crazy. So God literally put a cap on it. So that's, all we, that's, that's what we know about our time. That's the maximum. We don't know how short, we don't know how long. Then, next slide. There's also a second death. Okay, sorry to break this to you. And uh, the scripture reads on the next slide. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's not a nice, not a nice death. It's not a nice place. Um, yeah. This is where it gets really depressing. Next slide. So, we get born. It's generally quite a happy vibe. Okay? People rejoice. It's the one time in your life when you go to a hospital... For, like, good news, you know. Um, next one. Death. A little bit more sad, somber. Okay. 
It's uh, generally not a happy, joyful time. People mourn around you. And yeah, next one. So this is life. It's got its ups. It's got its downs. It's good, good times, bad times. Uh, rich, poor, sick, health. It's a journey. Okay. And we all live it. If you're here, that's you somewhere on that little curve. Okay. Next one. And somewhere on that journey, everyone comes to a point where they're like, is this really it? Okay. What is the meaning of life? And people go and search for it in all kinds of different places and different strands and different religions and belief systems and different truths. And uh, yeah, but next slide. Boom. This is us. There's a moment on this journey where we meet Jesus. We, our eyes are open to the truth and we get born again. Hallelujah. Okay. If you've been born again in this place, don't you want to raise your hand? Yeah. Okay. There might be some here that haven't been born again yet. We're going to give you an opportunity to join us on this wonderful journey of life. All right. Um, next slide. When you're born again, second death is no more. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Okay. It's no more. There's a, the, the, oh, death, where is your sting? Have you heard that scripture? That's talking about the second death. Even the first death is a little bit, we still die, and it could possibly still be painful, and, you know, there's still, people are still going to mourn, but there's, there's a glimmer of hope there. So even that, that kind of death is, you know, there's hope. When someone that, if you know someone that you love, they die. It's sad. But if they know Jesus, you're like, oh, praise the Lord that they knew you, Jesus. Okay. Next slide. And that second death, uh, let's read that scripture. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them. But they will be priests of God and of Christ. And it's a wedding feast. We get to be with Jesus Next slide. In the light of eternity, our life is, I mean, that line just keeps going. Next slide. Boom. Next slide. And it just goes into this circle around Jesus and his kingdom and his throne. And that's a picture I found. But no eye has seen, no ear has heard the place he's prepared for us. And the encouragement to me is that, you know, I always think of Jesus. He took six days to create that earth that we live on and the heavens and everything and what do they call it? The universe. Okay? took him six days because he rested on the seventh. You guys agree with me? Nod your heads if you do. Okay? The Bible says that Jesus, he's, he died, he's been dead for more than 2,000 years. And the Bible said he's preparing a place for us. Think of that exponential 2,000 years versus six days. Can you imagine what that place is going to look like? We actually can't. But just think of that crazy little math sum there. That exponential difference is, okay, it's going to be wild. Next slide. So, 
This morning, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to encourage us in. I want to remind us is this little section of life. Because this is where we find ourselves. And we don't just get born again so that we can uh, carry on living. We get born into something. Born again. We get born again out of something. Okay. What do we get saved out of? Let's look at Genesis 3. It's known as the fall. There's the fall and there's the call. Okay. This is the fall. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this is the fall. And after that, everybody, you know, the Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all get born into sin. Okay. The seed of Adam is the sin. We all get born into it. That is, in fact, why Jesus came and, and he was consummated by the Holy Spirit. There was no seed of Adam, okay? And he, he became the second Adam. And this speaks about disobedience, okay? There was a command in the beginning. There was one command in the garden, and it was, you shall not eat from that tree. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't a good idea. It was a command. It was the Creator commanded them. And they were disobedient. We think we know better than God. Then we get separated. Okay, they were immediately banished from the garden. And the, 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 so there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the one they weren't allowed to eat of. They were allowed to eat of the tree of, of life. But as soon as sin came into the garden, there was the fall. God sent his angels. This is all in Genesis. You guys can go read it over December. It's wonderful reading. Um, there's... God sends his angels, the cherubim, with flaming swords to protect the tree of life. Because no longer are they allowed to eat of that tree. Because then they will forever live in their sin. But God had a plan. Banish, separation. This is what we get saved out of. Okay? This is who we all are. We all were. And around us, that's the mess. That's the brokenness. That's the problem. Okay? What do we get saved into? This is what I want to talk about. But it's good to know that what the problem is. It's, it's good to remember what the problem is. When you tell people about Jesus, when you tell them the good news, you've got to tell them the bad news. Okay. Usually first, because they've got to know that there's a problem. Because unless you know there's a problem, how do you know you need, you know, you need the cure? What do we get saved into? Matthew 28, 16. So this is known as the Great Commission. And this was also uh, quoted in our prayer meeting, which was awesome. Simon, great prayer. What is the Great Commission? So this is Jesus right at the end of his ministry. He's about to get taken up into the clouds. He's about to go home. And this is the last thing he says. Uh, then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the, Ho- of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded commanded you and surely i am with you always to the very end of the age all right jesus reminding them he's got the authority back okay the devil in the fall he stole the authority disobedience jesus says all right i got it back now this is what you need to do so what is a disciple how do we make disciples what is a disciple it's a disciple it's a follower of jesus all right? It's as simple as that. We are all disciples. We all follow Jesus. When you get saved, you turn away from the world and you follow Jesus. Um, and what do we get saved into? What do we get? We get baptized into the Trinity, okay? We get baptized into, this is baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I've just broken that up a little bit. What does that mean? The Father... So we get reunited to the Father as per the original plan. The original plan was, uh, there's this beautiful part. It's actually just after they fall and God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And he's looking for Adam and he's, he's like, Adam, where are you? And that's the relationship he wants with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to walk with us in the cool of the day. He wants to be our Father. He wants us to be obedient to him. Obedience. Is required. You know, Jesus says, uh, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So there's a, and this is something they mention in uh, in uh, pre-marriage counseling. They talk about being naked and unashamed <laughs> with your wife. This is how it was in the garden. They were naked. They were unashamed. It was only after the fall where they realized their own nakedness. They started looking inward and not just, you know, outward, living for God. Does this make sense? Guys are very, very quiet. The greatest commandment, if we go to Matthew 22. This is, is, the, is the Pharisees trying to find out from Jesus. Is they said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If you hear one thing today from me about what that call is, it's love God, love people. It's as simple as that. This is why we live. This is the meaning of life. It's to love God and it's to love people. So we also get, we get baptized into the Son. And that's Jesus. And, you know, Jesus probably means something different to every person here who could say something that Jesus means to them. The biggest thing is he needs to be your savior. He needs to be the Messiah. He needs to be, you know, the one who's going to come and save God's people. That's who Jesus is. He's the savior. Um, and, and one day that wedding feast, he's our groom. He's the one we get married to. 
You know, unfortunately, those single people who will die, they won't get married to anybody in eternity. But there's the groom. We are the bride of Christ and we become married to him. It's, it's, it's tricky for guys to get that because, you know, how does a guy be a bride? But it's, it's this beautiful picture of being united with Christ forever. His forgiveness, his peace, he's the prince of peace. His joy, you know, who is, he, who is he to you? Does anybody want to shout something out who Jesus is to you? Kind, yes. Father, yes. He's, he's slow to anger. He's, he's good. Perfect lover, yes. Forgiver, okay. This is our Jesus. It's the one we get baptized into. We also get baptized into the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit for me, so when Jesus left, his disciples were like, no, stay. You've, you've done it. You're the Savior of the world now. Why don't you stay and help us, you know, go make disciples of all nations? Surely, who would be a greater evangelist than Jesus himself, you know, showing himself with the scars? Hey, no, we don't believe that Jesus story. Check that. It's me. Here I am. Check this water. Boom. Wine. You know? Dude, people get saved. But what does Jesus say? He says, I have to go and I'm going to send my spirit. It's, a better, it's, better for my, it's better that I go. Jesus says, it's better that I go so that my Holy Spirit can come. And the Holy Spirit will fall on all flesh. Okay, the young, the old. And so the Holy Spirit, He gives gifts. And I want to uh, read uh, 1 Corinthians 12. It says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Okay? To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, discernment, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of the tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. Okay? So the reason Jesus said it's better that I go is because now the Spirit comes and gives us gifts. Okay. Holy Spirit. He's a person. Okay. I often like to say when I refer to him as Holy Spirit. That's his name. You know. Not the Holy Spirit. It's Holy Spirit. He's a person. Okay. And he gives gifts. And so, in a way, we all become followers of Christ. We become Christians. We become little Jesuses. Okay. That's why it was better for Jesus to go. The Spirit could come. This is what we get baptized into. But now I'd love to read this because, remember, love God, love people. Okay. We don't love the gifts. We don't love, you know, 
the things God gives us to do. We love Him. We love people. And 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to, to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So you can have these gifts, but they, they, they'll mean nothing unless it's done out of love. For the greater good. It's for this family that, that we have gifts. Okay. And so let me end let me end with this. Can you go to the last slide? All right. And this is where my, my preacher's name changed to the gift. Okay. Ephesians two keep that up, I'll just read it. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, the most beautiful gift is that God partners with us. That He didn't just say to Jesus, stay I'll send my spirit as well. Could you have done that? Yes, I'm sure. Jesus, you stay, and I'll send my Holy Spirit, and you too, will you, will you go and make disciples of all nations? No, God chooses somehow to give us this gift of partnering with Him. And, and, and it's, it's a gift. You guys realize it's, it's a gift we've been given. This and then this rest, of, this rest of our time. And this morning, I just wanted to remind us that that's who we are. We're partners with God. Our mandate is simply to make the family bigger. Okay? Andrew always talks about make the circle bigger. It's this, this is our mandate. It's simply to make the family bigger. To make disciples of all nations. You know, Josh Jen 4.12 what are we called to do as a move, as a field, as a whatever you want to call it? We are called to, to disciple the nations through the planting of healthy churches. This is how, this is God's plan. That's why we don't, we don't, you know, we go on outreaches, but we're actually reaching in when we go on an outreach. That makes sense? Because we go into a church and we encourage the guys there and we say to them, come on, you can do it. This is what's happening back home. What's happening here? Wow, this is incredible. 
Okay, I've got a gift of interpreting tongues. I'm there in, in, in Australia with Brad, and someone brings a tongue. I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, come on. Come on, yes, I think I know what it is. I go up to the front. I say what the interpretation is. The church gets encouraged. We come back, and they keep growing. This is the, that's what we do. That's making disciples of all nations through the planting of healthy churches. Does that make sense? That's why we don't go on our own and, and feel like, I'm called to feed the poor, and I go and start my little soup kitchen, and this is me and my calling, and you know, then I go and find some sponsors so I can get them nicer food. No, no, we're called to, to go to churches, to plant healthy churches, to partner. It's for the great, remember the gifts, for the greater good. All right.